Tonight our scripture reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. In your pew Bible, you can find this on page 1347. After we read from that portion of the inspired Word of God, we'll also be reading from our Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52, and you can find this in your Forms and Prayers book on page 257. We'll be looking at just the first question of that Lord's Day, question 127, which deals with the petition of the Lord's Prayer, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in connection with that, we wanted to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So here now together the reading of the Word of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, and supplication for all the saints. Thus far for now, our reading from the Word of God. Uh, We then turn to Lord's Day 52, and we read question and answer 127. What does the sixth petition mean? And the answer is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, means we are so weak that we cannot stand on our own for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not be defeated in this spiritual fight, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory." Our congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the seasons are beginning to change away from the winter months. The days are getting longer. The sunset is getting later. Uh, Things for which we personally, and perhaps you also, uh, are quite glad. So you might say that we are making our way out of what is commonly known as the cold and flu season. Uh, And yet, uh, various individuals uh, over the past couple of weeks Uh, have contracted uh, colds or other viruses, and it's certainly not my uh, point nor my place to give any type of medical advice, uh, but I want to just simply use that reality as an illustration. Boys and girls, when people get sick with, with the cold, you know, there's there's the coughing, there's the sneezing, there's the runny nose, uh, maybe your mother says to you, wash your hands. Uh, My mother used to always tell us during cold season that we had to take extra vitamin C. We had to take our vitamin C all the way throughout the year, but especially when there were colds going around, take your vitamin C. 
drink lots of liquids, and get enough rest. Well, we might say to our mothers, why? Why do I have to take extra vitamin C? Why do I have to drink extra fluids? Why do I have to get extra rest? And our mothers would have told us because colds are going around. Because there's a virus going around. And that virus wants to attack your body. And especially for those who perhaps have some type of compromised or weakened immune system, they need to take special precaution to avoid getting sick. I want to use that as an illustration uh, to segue into our point of consideration this evening, because there is, and I don't want this to scare anyone, but I do want this to alert us. There is a danger in this world that is much, much, much greater than a cold or a flu, than any other type of physical ailment or illness. And that danger is Satan, and that danger is sin. So you might consider tonight's sermon on this petition as kind of a reminder, a reminder to be careful, and a reminder to be careful by praying earnestly that the Lord in His sovereignty would protect us from all of the wiles or the tricks, the strategies, the evil schemes of the evil one. So in hopefully the time allotted to us this evening, I want to consider this theme, save us from sin. This is a petition of the church. This is a a cry of the church. This is a desire of the Christian that the Lord would save us from sin. Well, notice, first of all, the need for this petition, and then secondly, the content of this petition, and then thirdly, the goal of this petition. So, save us from sin, the need, the content, and the goal of this petition. Why do we need to pray? Deliver us from temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. It is because of the reality of our spiritual enemies. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse 12. He's just encouraged the Christians to be strong in the Lord, to be strong in the power of the Lord's might, uh, to put on the whole armor of God, not physical armor, not military armor in the sense of waging an earthly battle, but rather the spiritual armor that he will go on to delineate in the subsequent verses. But notice in verse 12, he gives the ground or the reason. Why should we have this state of alertness, this state of preparation? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but but we do wrestle, we do fight against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And our catechism, you'll notice how close it is in step with what the Scriptures have to say. Our catechism opens it up and it says that we have these sworn enemies. We have enemies that are against us that would love to do nothing more out of their diabolical hatred against God and against the anointed of God, who would love to do nothing more than to cause us to sin, to cause us to stumble, to cause us to spiritually trip in our life. And these 
sworn enemies are three. The devil, the world in the sense of fallen, rebellious humanity, and our own flesh. Theologians have long referred to this as the triple enemy. And anyone who goes into military combat knows that one of the most important things to a successful military campaign is to know the enemy and to know their strategy, to know their game plan. This is even true at a much less serious level in any type of competition. So if you are in athletics and on a sports team and you're preparing to to face the opponent, uh, you want to study their strategy. You want to know what type of plays they're going to do. You want to know their strengths. You want to know their weaknesses. So you can capitalize on your knowledge that you can beat them. And so I would remind you as I remind myself tonight, although oftentimes this eclipses our perspective because we're so focused on the material aspect of life, right? Uh, we, we see buildings, and we see time, and, and we see everything that we can see with our eyes, but there is another dimension of reality, and that dimension of reality is the spiritual reality that includes the devil that fallen angel who loathes with enmity all that is good, including you, Christian. You have a sworn enemy. And it's not just somebody at the office you don't get along with. It's not just someone in the neighborhood that you don't get along with. It's not just somebody on social media that you can't stand. The enemy is the devil, and then the influence that he has upon fallen humanity, and then your own sinful flesh. That is the reality of the identity, but I also want to try to emphasize the intensity of his attack. You know, there's attacks, and then there are intense attacks. Peter, writing in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, reminds the Christian church to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may… do you know what the word is? seeking whom he may bug a little bit, pester somewhat, interfere with. That's not what Peter says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Are we aware that Satan would love nothing more than to devour us, to destroy us, to tear us to shreds. As individual Christians, but also as a Christian congregation, as a Christian church. Is there, is there any sense that we are on high alert, 
high alert, knowing that Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking to devour me, you, us. Well, if we are aware and if we are on high alert, then a first line of defense is to pray consistently, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But notice that this need for this petition is also emphasized by our spiritual weakness. We are so weak. You know, it'd be one thing if we were robust, if we were spiritually strong, if we were mighty and valiant. Then we might say, well, we've got pretty good odds. We've got a pretty good chance. Sure, there the devil is with all of his strategies, all of his schemes, all of his wiles, his, his tricks. But we think we can handle him. But the reality of the matter is, and we quoted this last Sunday evening as well, I believe, found in Romans 7 verse 18, in my flesh nothing good dwells. So we need to pray this petition because we are under the constant threat of attack, and we do not have the internal defenses within ourselves to withstand that attack. What is your evaluation, your self-evaluation of your spiritual strength? And, and I would encourage us to ask that as individual persons, but, but also for us in a collective spirit, to ask that about us as a congregation. Do we think that we are strong? Do we think that we are among the stronger? Perhaps do we think that we are among the strongest? Well, then perhaps we need to be reminded of the Apostle Paul's warning, take heed, lest you think you stand and you fall. Because the history of the Christian church is filled with examples of individuals who thought they were strong, only to be painfully reminded that they were weak. Think of the Apostle Peter boasting, Lord, if everyone else forsakes you, if these other 11 guys in their weakness, in their frailty, if they go, Lord, I'll still be there. I'm Peter. I'm the rock. You said you'd build your church, and I'm right there with you. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, Peter, I need to remind you of your weakness before the rooster crows three times, or, or once, you will deny me three times. And isn't it amazing that it still didn't sink in to Peter? There came his first denial, and you, you would think his, his memory would have tripped but then shortly after the first denial comes the second denial. And then on the heels of the second denial come the third denial. The man who boasted is the man who denied. 
Now, of course, thanks be to God, there was restorative grace for Peter. And he wrote 1 Peter 5 underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But don't you think as he wrote those words, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, don't you think he remembered his own experience? When the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. We are weak in and of ourselves, and we face an opponent who would love, who would love to devour us. So we need to pray this petition But what exactly do we pray for in this petition? That's our second point of consideration. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we pray, first of all, for a sovereign guidance away from temptation. If we we really are aware of how weak we are and how fierce our opponent is, our prayer is, Lord, by your, your comprehensive sovereignty... As you unfold the days of our lives, keep us, keep us far, far away from temptation. Keep us far, far away uh, from occasions or, or, or circumstances or, or events in which we might be compromised or tempted to compromise. Keep us far from situations in which we are enticed to immorality. Uh, Our prayer, and this is all, because when you think of everything that you have to pray for, we we can't put it all into words. This is why we can be so thankful that when we pray, the Spirit also prays with us, and Christ intercedes in our behalf. So we, we come in with these exact words or with words similar. We pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation that is by your sovereignty so direct the unfolding of our day. The people that I meet, the places that I'm called to go, all of the details, Lord, orchestrate them perfectly that that I don't have an encounter with temptation. Because I'm weak, I'm not strong, Lord, so just keep me far, far, far from the occasions that would perhaps entice me to compromise my Christian convictions. Now, I want to also point out that when we pray that, and there's a balance, and we brought this up before, there's always a balance between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. So to pray, lead us not into temptation, but then to kind of skirt around the back door and find our own way into temptation is not being consistent with our petition. So in essence, we begin and we go through and we conclude our day saying, lead me not into temptation. And as we offer up that petition, then we resolve earnestly within our own minds and within our own hearts that we will reliant upon God's providence and God's sovereignty and God's provision and God's grace and God's mercy and God's strength. We will put on the whole armor of God and we will seek to keep ourselves far, far from temptation. 
You see, it is the individual who overestimates his or her spiritual power that flirts with temptation. It is the the proud Christian, the haughty Christian, and I know that that should be an oxymoron, but sadly experience testifies that it's not an oxymoron. It is the proud, it is the arrogant Christian who thinks, I can get as close to that line as I want without going over. Parents, don't you have this with your children sometimes? You warn them about something. And and children, sometimes your parents warn you, and teenagers, sometimes your parents warn you. They say, you know, riding your bike, be careful. And you say, ah, whatever, that's just dad, that's just mom. But there you go, and you fall. You skin your knee, you bruise your hand, and your mom or your dad, maybe they say, I told you so. Maybe they just bite their tongue and pick you up and put a Band-Aid on. Why is it that sometimes we don't listen to those that warn us about potential danger? Because we don't think it's going to happen to us. And we can see, even in the Christian church, we can see examples of individuals who have fallen dreadfully into sin. Again, I reference Peter. And we read it. But are we tempted to think, that's that's not going to happen to me? Really? Are you, am I, pretending that we are stronger than Peter? That we are stronger than David? That we are stronger than some of the saints in the Christian church? If we're really aware of how weak we are, We will be motivated to say, Lord, in your sovereignty, keep me far from the occasions of temptation. But of course, life unfolds itself, and we are not able to completely eliminate the occasions of temptation. So there's a twofold request in this petition. You'll notice, lead us not into temptation, but then also deliver us from, from evil or deliver us from the evil one. So there is a request for sovereign guidance from temptation, but also sovereign strength in times of temptation. Because for the testing and for the strengthening of the Christian, uh, the Lord at, at times in His sovereignty uh, allows the Christian to be tested to be tried. And underneath God's sovereign allowance, Satan comes and uses such occasions to to tempt the Christian. So there's a dual purpose. God is testing, refining the Christian, but but Satan comes and, and he attacks the Christian. And if we're aware of this, then our petition also is daily, continually, repeatedly, Lord, grant me strength 
spiritual strength, internal spiritual strength, that which is described in verse 10 of our text. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And so we ought to begin our day again saying in essence, maybe not verbatim, word for word, although that certainly would be appropriate as well as long as it's not done out of just mere ritual or empty routine. But we ought to begin our day and go through our day saying, Lord, grant me your power. Grant me your might as I, as I travel through this fallen world. As, as I do battle against the evil one and all of his host of darkness. As I do battle, as I, as I live life in a fallen world. A world that is hostile to Christianity. A world that is no friend of the Christian. As I, even, as I do battle against the, the indwelling corruption in my own soul, Lord, grant me strength today and tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. Because it is when I realize how weak I am in and of myself that I then look outside of myself for strength. And that's where we need to also look. Not to ourselves, but to our Lord, to our God. I want to ask you, and I reflect upon these questions as well, how do you begin your day? Do you have a routine? You know, Human beings oftentimes are creatures of habit, creatures of routine. So for many of us, our days begin much the same way, day after day after day. I can think of my own routine. I can think of the routine of those who, who live in a house with me. I can think of my parents' routine when I was a child living in their home. You can think of your routine. Maybe your spouse can think of your routine as well. Maybe your children or your parents can think of your routine. I want to lovingly ask you, is part of your morning routine praying something along the lines of these petitions? Lord, I thank you for another day that you've given me, but I recognize the reality and the severity of my spiritual enemies. And I recognize my weakness. So as the day begins, as the sun rises, as the activities commence, by your good sovereignty, keep me far from any occasion of temptation. But if the events of this day Bring me face to face with the evil one and his wiles, and that's an old word, his, his tricks, his traps. Lord, give me strength. Give me strength to resist the evil one. Give me strength to maintain uh, a clean conscience. Give me strength that is found in this spiritual weaponry. Give me the strength uh, of the helmet of salvation. Give me the strength of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, give me strength in the exercise of prayer and supplication. Give me the strength of, of 
the shoes of the gospel of peace. Give me the strength of a shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the evil one that at times come flying from all sides throughout our days. If that is not part of your daily routine, I would encourage you. I would plead with you. Make it part of your day. But notice the goal of this petition in our third point. The goal of this petition is a sinless glory and a corporate glory. When will we be done with this battle? When will we be done praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one? Well, the good news is that there will come a day in which we will no longer have to pray this petition. There will come a day in which we will no longer have to engage in spiritual battle. But realistically, that day is what we would call the arriving of glory. As our catechism puts it, at the conclusion there of answer 127, may we firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. Until we finally win the complete victory. And, and there, there's, there's two notes to that statement. And the notes are also found in, in Romans 8. We are more than conquerors. And that statement in Romans 8 is in the present tense. Not we will perhaps one be more than conquerors, but we are more than conquerors. Because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, Satan is a defeated enemy. He's chained. He's been chained by the strong man of the Lord Jesus Christ. The victory of the gospel is ours. Now, the reality of that should not lead us to some type of passivity where we say, oh, we've got a big lead. We can just come out and kind of go about things in a lazy fashion. No, but rather, the, the certainty of the victory ought to motivate us. The Christian life should, should not take on the tone of defeatism. Yes, alertness, wisdom, absolutely. But an alertness and a wisdom that comes from confidence, knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord, and He has conquered. And because He has conquered, we also have conquered. This is something of the, of the note of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I love that phrase, I press on. Day after day, the Apostle Paul, with complete reliance and dependence on the sovereign grace of the Lord, but Paul pressed on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Notice there the dual note. Christ has laid hold of Paul. Christ has Paul by his irresistible, effectual grace. But Paul then says as a reaction to that, I, I lay hold. 
Christ has laid hold of me, and so I, I press on to lay hold of him. He goes on, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And I know some of you run, some of us try to run, but you don't run looking back, at least not successfully. At least I've never been able to, to run looking back. If I even try to look to the right or the left when I run, chances are I'll tumble and fall. When you run, you look forward. You look straight ahead. And Paul says, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those which are ahead, and I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are you pressing forward for that goal, reaching out with the spiritual strides of the Christian life, knowing that soon you will crest that tape because the victory is yours, because it is Christ. But notice that the Christian life is not an individualistic sport. This petition also is in the plural. Did you catch that? It's not just lead me not into temptation. Deliver me. It's in the plural. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. There's much that could and should be said in a different context about the Christian church, the community, the body of believers, a local congregation. But in regards to this petition, I would set before you tonight the Christian obligation to pray for one another. Do you pray for each other? Do you pray that your brother or sister would also be kept from temptation? Do you pray that your brother or sister would also be delivered from the evil one? You know, Western culture is characterized by a rank individualism, each man for himself. But the Christian faith is not to be characterized by such an independent spirit. God in his providence has drawn us together as a congregation, a body of believers. Now, of course, included in that corporate is the individual, but not exclusively the individual. So I would encourage all of us Pray for each other. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. Pray for the church. Pray for the churches. That they would not be led into temptation. But that they would be delivered from the evil one. To the glory of our great God. Amen.
Our Father in heaven, again tonight our prayer is a simple one. We begin by asking that you would teach us how to pray. Not only by the imparting of intellectual data, but also especially through the applicatory work of the Holy Spirit. And may tonight, more specifically, we be reminded of the reality and the intensity of the spiritual attacks upon us and of our own inherent weaknesses. And so, out of that context, may our eyes of faith and hope look up to the sovereign God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would keep us from events and circumstances that would lead us into temptation. May we have a carefulness about what our eyes see, about what our ears hear, about what our hands do, and where our feet go, and what our mouth says. And when we do find ourselves underneath your sovereignty being tested and tried, Lord, grant us strength that we might stand. And may we press on towards the goal, the goal of glory. And may we press on one with another, as a Christian congregation. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.